0: Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 307. Our guest today is based in Wellington, Florida, and spends time catch riding horses and client horses in the area. He recently started his own business at Royal Oak Equestrian in Wellington. As a junior, he had a great career. He often competed against his twin brother, and now he's focused this season on bringing along his FEI horses, as well as some young horses while he builds his business. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Spencer Britton. Hey, Spencer. Hi,
1: Bethany. How's it going?
0: Good. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you're in full swing at WEF, um, but I would love to hear how you first got started in the horse world.
1: Yeah, so thanks for having me. And um, yeah, of course, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, which, uh, even though it's pretty southern in uh country, it's uh, doesn't have the biggest horse scene, believe it or not. Yeah. So uh, my I have an identical twin brother, and uh, we kind of started uh, going to this lo- little local barn with little ponies to take lessons on. And he'd be taking lessons, and I would just be sitting around kinda of digging holes in the dirt with the stick waiting <laughs> the finish. I thought I need to give that a try. And uh we kind of started riding together and um got into the ponies and uh and kind of started traveling around a little more internationally for uh competitions, trying to take it more seriously.
0: So he started first and you were kind of like, uh, eh, but then you like got into it and then started really enjoying it.
1: Yeah, so he started first, and we're identical twins, and we kind of did everything together. <laughs> so he had that little step up on me to begin with, and uh, we were so competitive that uh, we just kind of used that as fuel and uh, started showing against each other. and Totally. Really trying to take it seriously, the two of us. So.
0: Yeah. So obviously, you like casually glossed over that you were like doing the ponies, and then you were like traveling internationally. So give me a rundown of like what happened <laughs> in between there.
1: That was a pretty big leap, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we started uh, at these little local Texas shows, Tyler, Texas, and uh, Katie, Texas. If anyone knows Pin Oak, and uh, yeah, uh, started in the pony hunters, got a few regular hunters, kind of moved into the jumpers. Uh, I always say the hunters to jumpers is such a big different transition. Yeah, you start out having a lot of time faults, and uh, it's such a different sport. But um. I really like the idea of doing hunters first. You learn how to find your distances, and gauge where your stride is, and mm-hmm. and um, I think this I think that's so important in the jumpers as well is just knowing where to put your horse and um and the distances. To be honest, so I was really happy we started with that and uh, made our way down to Wellington probably probably close to ten years ago, eleven years ago, starting the little pony jumpers uh, back when Littlewood was a thing. And uh, yeah, I just really got into it, started coming down every season and um, competing and trying to take it more seriously.
0: Do you remember what your first experience in Wellington was like? Like, obviously, you weren't in Dallas anymore.
1: Yeah, my first, i it was very apparent that I wasn't, I didn't belong in Wellington yet. I had a, <laughs> I had a little pony that, uh, it was an amazing little pony, but it, it for sure had some rough edges. And uh, I went into the Wellington ring, and uh, the pony was fresh and gave a giant buck I was so small. I'm 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 tall enough now, but I was so tiny at the time. Uh I lost my reins and I grabbed the front and the back of the saddle to hold on. <laughs> I just rode out the little box until it calmed down and then went on and finished my course.
0: Oh my gosh, that's, that's my, amazing. That was my
1: Wellington debut.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, obviously you have a lot under your belt at this point. Right now you're in the early stages of uh WEF 2023 season and obviously have some big plans for your horses. A few are gearing up to do some FEI classes a little later this season. So what do you kind of do right now to plan and strategize to really get them ready for those classes?
1: Yeah, I think the beginning of left is so important. I've been lucky to have been doing FEI here in Wellington for the, for the past few years. And um, it's such a long season and the Grand Prix here are so big. Even the European riders I was talking to this week, they really say WEF is as big as anywhere. Mm-hmm. They built it so big. Um, the three-star Grand Prix was on Saturday night, and um, there's really, you can't really beat the size here. It's uh, So you, you kind of don't want to take it all out of the horses so early in the season. Mm-hmm. I like to start out a little slower and get the horses back into the rhythm, jumping comfortable, nice schooling classes, and then... And then just kind of build up as the season goes, um, take a few off weeks in between and just not use them too hard. But um, so the, the these past few weeks, I've been using uh, just some open schooling classes, meter 40s, uh, 145s. And now I'll start FEI next week on the grass and um, have a few cool horses that I get to uh, bring out this season. So I'm um, excited about that.
0: Amazing. Um, and then once you kind of start progressing through the season, what are some things that you kind of look for or like kind of cues that your horses give you to know that they are ready? They're fit. They're they're feeling ready to jump the the big classes.
1: Yeah, you want you want to feel they're confident. I think confidence is so important with the horses yeah. um, and you you really feel it when they're just jumping across the oxers and they're always going. Um, you want them to be fresh and and taking you to the jumps. Uh, I always say when when you jump 160 or, um, yeah, three-star Grand Prix, four-star, five-star Grand Prix, you really can't have the horses, you can't be pushing them to the jumps. That's how you have rails. That's how you have front bars of oxers. You really have to have them with a bit of blood. You have to have them good off the leg, and you have to have them taking you a bit because you really can't push them across a meter 50, meter 55 oxer, you know? Yeah. So you have to have them really fit. And taking you and just in really good condition so you can be helping them out, slowing down to the jumps, and still know they're they're going to get across, you know?
0: Right. Definitely. Do you remember, yeah. how old were you when you did your first five-star?
1: I was 19 years old when I did my first five-star Grand Prix. It was back when Tryon had five-star yeah. uh, Grand Prix under the lights. And I, I was really lucky to find a horse uh, named Uncle Blue. Uh, Shane Sweetnam helped me find it. Um, It was a former rider, Peter Fredrickson. And amazing, amazing horse. All the scope. He could jump a house. Yeah, so I started out with him at the end of WEF, did a two-star Grand Prix. We did our first three stars throughout the spring and summer. He was basically clear about half the time he went in the ring, uh, qualifiers and Grand Prix. And we basically only did him in the qualifier of the Grand Prix because he was... He was so scopy. We he was a Grand Prix horse more than he would be a speed horse, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh so we did our first three-star in May. And we by I guess October time, we put him in a five-star Grand Prix under the lights, jumped unbelievable. Some of these horses, they when the jumps get bigger, they grow in scope and they they know it's more important. And uh jumped unbelievably. He barely touched um a vertical b of a triple combination Mm. and super super unlucky rail but uh just had the one down but uh it it was nice to get that under our belt
0: totally absolutely you also have some young horses right now what what do you feel like is your favorite part of working with young horses especially while you're kind of parking it in wellington for a a, for a period of time
1: yeah young horses are interesting i uh i'm definitely doing more of them uh right now than i ever have Hmm. (laughs) I was jumping a four-year-old throughout the summer just wow. five, and I have a seven-year-old that will come up and jump the big classes um another six-year-old so a few that I'm producing for different owners and I, I the one thing I learned is you just have to be so patient with them um with the old horse if they spook or they uh are being a little naughty you can kind of get after them and uh, and you have to you have to tell them how to do it and and that's not okay but With the young horses, you have to be so patient and just let them get away with too much. Honestly, sometimes I find just because that sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes there's nothing you can do in that moment just to uh, just to correct something. It's going to take weeks or months. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I find patience is important and probably good for me to practice as well with them. So it's been fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you recently started your own business, Royal Oak Equestrian. Tell me a little bit what prompted the shift to your own business.
1: Yeah. So I guess the long story is that I was kind of focusing on competing uh, just myself and the few horses I had for a few years. Like I said, I had that horse, Uncle Blue. I had another horse, Win for Life. And we were just kind of traveling the circuit, um, Traverse City, Tryon, WEF and really just focusing on getting results in at the grand prix level uncle blue we took yeah to gold cup he jumped the night classes at weff and i really while i had a horse like that they're so rare to find those kinds of horses i i wanted to put everything into that and um just focus on getting results and then last year i started working with i always worked with john roach uh john roach was like a trainer i had when i was a little kid back in texas and he kind of taught me everything and i was working with him quite a bit and last year i took up a job with ludger Beerbaum, uh beerbomb nice. stable and they just took over ownership of WEF with mm-hmm. so that's really cool so um i had a lot of fun i was with him and philip Weisop and owen mcmahon who yeah philip has won the grand prix of Aachen. he's won spruce meadows grand prix so he he's just a genius so it was so cool to work under him and kind of pick his brain and just be around him every day and right. um so i learned a lot with them they bring sales horses over every year so we were involved in the sales i was riding a lot of the horses with them and and really on the business side of it with them and uh when they went back to europe in may i thought, okay, I love Wellington so much. I I will probably just stay in Wellington until WEF starts up again. I had a few clients ask me to train them and um, a few owners asked me to ride their horses and it kind of just happened naturally. So by June or July, I, I had basically full days riding and training and um, stayed in Wellington, which not many people base here. So, uh, it was nice to, uh, yeah, have a home base where I love it. And, uh, the business kind of picked up on its own. And um, now going into WEF, we're almost too busy. So uh, really good problem <laughs> to have. So we're yeah.
0: happy. Amazing. That's awesome. Um, what do you feel like you wish you knew? Because obviously there's a big shift in um, becoming a professional in the industry and doing this, you know, kind of on your own. Um, what do you wish you knew before starting your own business?
1: Yeah, Bethany, you'd probably know yourself just, <laughs> um, just, Yeah. When you turn professional and you really have to know what you need to know and you can't really be asking around for help or you kind of you have to be prepared when the time comes um, Mm -hmm. and to to be responsible and for your actions and you're accountable for everything at that point. So I would say until I worked with uh, Ludger and the German boys, because they're so attentive to detail, they're so so on it all the time. I wouldn't have said i was ready until i had that experience so i i guess yeah to answer your question that was that was the main thing is having a job uh with a barn like that where they're so on it and you learn so much about the horse management and the care and uh, the riding and the flat work and the feed and just everything to do with management um mm-hmm. that i was comfortable to say okay i can i i can be in charge of horses on my own and um trust the process with clients and uh, so I'd say the most important thing is to have a work experience or a job like that that can really kickstart it.
0: Definitely. Let's take a minute and talk a little bit about tack cleaning because it's not just about having clean tack right it's also about the health and well-being of your horse that comes in contact with your tack and having beautiful healthy tack that really lasts for a lifetime because our tack is always quite an investment. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Sterling Essentials because it's one of my favorite tack cleaning products. It's premium all-natural essential oil, powered leather cleaner and leather conditioner. And what I really love about it is that there are zero toxins or harsh chemicals, um, counterproductive ingredients. Um, So it's just like a really, really great purely vegetarian product, Um, beeswax, food-grade ingredients, plant-based oils, and premium essential oils. So not only does it smell amazing, but you can really enjoy the feel of really clean leather without all the sticky leftover cleaning product residue, soap scum, white film, glycerin, or the slipperiness or oiliness that's often caused by other cleaners and conditioners. So for more information, visit their website at sterling-essentials.com. That's S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G-essentials.com. And I also have a promo code if you want to give it a try. So use the discount code Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, for 30% off. This does not include bundles and terms apply, so you can see their policies on their website for more information. But I think it's a great opportunity to give some of their products a try. So again, that is Sterling Essentials. And let's talk a little bit about training. Tell me a little bit about maybe what sets your training apart or or different areas of training that you find are really important to your program.
1: Yeah, so I think um, it's important to tailor everything to the client. I really didn't realize until I got into uh, training uh, different clients and having a number of them is that everyone is so different and the Mm -hmm. sport is so mental. And I don't think many people know how mental the sport really is. Right, you have to deal with everyone based on on their mindset and if they get nervous, if they're brave and not focused enough, and and really just like find what clicks with each person. Um, I have I have a few clients who um, are amazing riders and and have good eyes and really are talented, but they uh, they'll get nervous from time to time, especially yeah. if the jumps go up. And you have to talk them through that because we were all there at one point and we all are there on at certain points, depending on the horse you're on. And and you have to know how to give someone confidence if they're lacking it or uh, tell someone how to focus on a particular thing to get them to better that part of their riding. And and yeah, really just tailoring it to the person, I guess.
0: Yeah, because everyone, you know hears things differently, responds to things differently, and definitely when it comes to the show ring, how they prepare and how they feel going into it. So yeah, I think really being able to be, again, like what you're saying, patient and also being able to be flexible that maybe your methodology or how you ride and kind of like as as an individual might be different and less helpful than um you know to talk to x y or z clients so just really being able to be flexible just like how we have to cater our programs to match each individual horse and what they need and how they prepare that's a really good point it's the same with the clients as well
1: right and i am curious about your perspective on it you you find uh everyone has a different reaction if someone if the jumps get big I find some clients have a reaction where when they're nervous they pull to a, a slower mm-hmm. distance or yeah their their reaction might be to go backwards and that's that's a hard mindset to break is the nervous pull and the ad and and that's something you have to talk them out of and and work through and and some people's nervous tendency might be to to run the horse. And almost put them too deep Uh because they're trying to run at a bigger jump. And so there's so many different reactions to different mindsets. Or if you have a bad class, yeah, you might go in and override the oxers and Mm -hmm. push the horse through a front bar. And so there's so many different reactions to um, when the class doesn't go your way. Great. I think it's yeah important to kind of find what everyone's little reaction is. I have my own reactions. I think every I think every rider kind of has their own one. So it's important to know what your reaction is when a class doesn't go your way to know what to avoid next time you go back in the ring, I think, too.
0: Exactly. Yeah. A thousand percent. And especially the majority of my clients are equitation and hunter riders. And so I definitely, when there's any type, even if it's not even nerves, but just a break from the saddle from it for a bit and coming back into, you know, jumping a course, whether it's at home or at the show, um, the tendency is often to pick, get behind the leg, just like decrease, decrease, decrease all the way to jump one. And so trying to find unique ways to get them to kind of snap out of it, to go for like a nice forward positive ride to the first jump that is that's definitely something that that i have to get creative with helping helping clients get through in different ways
1: yeah and uh, to be honest i don't hear many people say say this but for me what works i guess is um when when people go backwards to the jump or even if someone moves up to a class you find the the reaction is to sometimes override mm-hmm. and uh, Yeah, I remember moving up myself when I was younger and you see a 150 oxer that you've never seen in the ring before.
0: Yeah.
1: Put leg on extra and sometimes you might override and put the horse deeper than it should be or push him a little through the front rail. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that important mentality uh, I find with a lot of riders is they say they uh, ride through the turn and you always have your rhythm, but uh, sometimes it's best to be slowing down at the jump. Mm you don't clear a a 160 vertical by pushing to it you clear it by having your rhythm up to it and the last two or three strides be slowing down and put the horses on their their hind legs and get them to rock off it so i find it's important to always have your rhythm so you avoid picking and being backwards have the rhythm up to the jump and then the last few strides be slowing down to to help them come off the front rail you know exactly
0: Um, and i said especially with that height i mean it just accentuates where your horse is at and the the horse will definitely tell you okay that time you never balanced and the horse was completely on its forehand versus taking the time to balance to really let them rock back and use their hind end to clear the jump
1: exactly and if you watch um like the gct and these Mm -hmm. global grand prix's they're five-star grand prix's they're they're often bigger than 160s. They build them yeah. 163, 165 in tiny, tiny arenas. And you watch every single rider in the class, they they really don't push at the jump. They always have their rhythm because the turns are so small mm-hmm. that you lose your rhythm so easily. They carry the rhythm through the turns and then they are always slowing down the last stride or two to get the horse to rock off because you really you really can't be flat and on the forehand, like you say. Pushing at uh, 160 vertical out of a t- out of a tight turn, you know.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. If we let's say we hopped on the phone again at the end of Weff this year, what would you say is like one thing that you would have wanted to accomplish during this season?
1: So I have a good few horses going. Um, I'm lucky to have some good owners who um, gave me the ride on some horses that have some, jumped some bigger classes. Nice. I'm kind missing um the horse for the five-star level right now i'm i'm hopefully finding it when i go to europe in a few weeks with the horses i have i'm hoping to jump a few clear rounds and yeah at this level in wellington with the jumps at that height mm-hmm. it's difficult to jump clear in the first place Definitely. and when you do you have to really go for the win because it might be a year until you're in that situation again at that level or or have that chance again you know so um yeah, I hope to jump clear at, at least at the FEI one hundred and fifty level, and when you're in the jump off, definitely hoping to uh, go as fast as I can and ride as well as I can, and and uh, the rest is kind of up to luck. So uh, yeah, definitely so, hoping for a few clear rounds. Anyway,
0: love that. What would you say is something that you're really passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about?
1: One interesting thing that I say all the time. First of all, this the sport is so mental, and people don't really talk about how mental it is. You hear Laura Kraut talking about it a lot, and she she uh, gives a lot of good insight. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's so mental, and confidence is so so important in this sport that it's really important to keep it. If you have if you have a bad round, it's important to put it behind you. I think you really can't care what other people think when you're jumping these Saturday night Grand Prixs at WEF. There's thousands of people watching you. It's such a small world. Um, and you really just can't care what other people think. You have yeah. to be in your own lane and focus completely on yourself. And it's really just you against the course at the end of the day. No one else in the class uh, matters until the jump off, I guess. And you, it's really you trying to beat the course, you know. Definitely. Um, and I find uh, you need the confidence I think the confidence comes from preparation and doing your homework at home and just uh, practicing and and jumping at home and making sure you have the horse where you want it. So when you go in the ring, you can just turn your brain off and ride basically by muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Listen to uh, talks from Olympic gymnasts, gold medalist gymnasts and, and golfers, uh, PGA players, and they all kind of say the same thing. You practice at home you practice on the range and you uh you get everything where you want it so when you're in the competition you just turn your brain off and and do it off muscle memory so i and that's what gives you the confidence and i think uh that's really important just to yeah be in your own lane not worry about what anyone else is thinking and uh and just kind of stay on your own grind you know
0: Totally. Yeah, that is that is a really great point. And I think something that no matter what level you're at is great advice to stick to, whether it's, you know, a bad round that's really kind of like sticking in the back of your mind just to find ways to get rid of that thought, move on. It's going to be better to, you know, to really get past that. But just also, I think your mindset is so important about staying in your own lane and finding confidence in your riding ability your horse's ability your program and really just trying to zone out the rest
1: yeah i've said it i've said it a lot to my friends it's pretty amazing how quick you can move up in the sport and i i kind of like to say it to other people because sometimes you feel stuck in um a certain division or a certain class mm-hmm. but it's really amazing how fast you can move up through the ranks especially when you when you find the right horse um and sometimes things just click with you like I said the uh the idea of having rhythm Shane Sweetnam told me all the time John Roach told me all the time uh Philip Weisop says the same thing it's uh when you have the rhythm to begin with through the turns you ride up to the jump and be slowing down at the end mm-hmm. like that idea helped me move up and i had I had one Scopy horse that brought me from meter twenties to one fifties and uh another horse that brought me to a five star Grand Prix just all within yeah maybe three years two years yeah So it's pretty amazing how quick you can uh climb when you take it seriously and and get the confidence and have the right mentality and it could only be a year or two around the corner you know Mm -hmm. um so just uh taking it seriously and having that mindset you know
0: Totally. And which is also a great reminder that for a lot of us, if we're lucky enough, it's a lifelong sport. So not beating yourself up over the fact that you're not accomplishing all of your goals by the time you're, you know, 20, (laughs) that you can just keep working at it. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know. The right horses. And, you know, a lot of times the stars have to align for first for you to kind of like get a break and get kind of comfortable at the next level to move up. And, um, there, um you know, sometimes you'll go through phases where you are, you know, what you were saying, like in the same class for a while. And then otherwise you might, you know, like hit a new level and or find a new string of horses that really helps, you know, catapult you to you know, the highest level. So it really just kind of is a good motivator and great advice to just keep going and keep working at it. And yeah, I think that that's um, such a good testament to like who you are as a rider that you were able to, you know, get to that level so quickly. And now, I mean, obviously this is a lifelong sport with so much to learn, no matter how advanced in level that you are. So it's exciting to kind of watch your journey, especially at WEF and we'll keep watching